see what it has to teach us. And, and we're going to be going through many different passages today, so it would be helpful if you, if you are taking notes um, to keep track of some of the scripture references. We're not going to spend a lot of time on any one section of scripture, instead we'll, we'll give you the opportunity to jot them down and then um, look them up later, and, and if the Holy Spirit has that for you, to spend some time studying any of those passages that we quickly look at. And we're going we're gonna to look at the antidote to anxiety, which is trusting God. Right? And, and this, we know this, but sometimes we need to be reminded. And, and sometimes we need to look up some verses and, and things that, that reinforce this. <clears throat> um, and so we all want to trust God, and, and I think we are most of the time. But, but if, we're, if, we're, if, if we are, if you are, if I am often feeling anxious, then, then there's a disconnect between that. Right? It's revealing that... Um, that we do need to be deliberate about putting our trust back in, in God. And so what is anxiety? It's that, that feeling that you get in your gut or your chest, right, where it's just sometimes things just don't feel right. Sometimes you're not quite sure what it is. It's, the way it's supposed to work is it's, it's your body warning you about danger, right? So, so anxiety for a short period of time isn't, isn't a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing because if there's danger, then, hey, we need to know about that. And sometimes if it's, if it's ongoing, if we have anxiety for a longer period of time, then that suggests that, hey, we're, we're maybe remaining in danger, and maybe that's something that we need to change. Even, even if you are in danger and, and you're kind of in that place where, for whatever reason in your life or, or some aspect of, of what's where you're at right now, if, you're, if you are in danger, then know this, that, that God is with you even through that, and he doesn't leave you just because you're feeling anxious or because you're in danger. The, the part, though, that we're going to talk about today is more that long-term anxiety where we're feeling that anxiety, not so much because we are in danger, but because we're just feeling like we're in danger. And so how do we put our trust back into, or give our trust back to God? <clears throat> and, well, our first passage, it's a, it's a favorite. It's um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And if you haven't already, this is a good one to memorize. <clears throat> And Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord. Present your requests to God. And this, this verse has two instructions. First, the first instruction is do not be anxious. And the second instruction is present your requests. Right? If you were, if, if, uh, you were to unpack this verse, you'd see that these are the two um, these are the two verbs that we're instructed to follow. The first one, do not be anxious. The second one, present your request. And so it's like we've got a choice, right? Are you going to be anxious or are you going to present your requests to the Lord? <clears throat> and the choice is obvious, but I think uh, oftentimes we do choose the, the former over the latter. We choose to be anxious, maybe not consciously, but we, we hold on to that anxiety in different ways rather than presenting our requests to God. And for both, of these, for both of these choices, we're given some details in the verse here. For do not be anxious, it says, what, we, we can ask the question, well, what, what, about, what, what shouldn't I be anxious about? And, and the verse says, don't be anxious about anything, right? And then instead, present your requests, and then for presenting a request, it gives us a little bit of detail. When? In every situation. How? By prayer and petition. What's petition? Petition, it's like a... Um, it's like a kind of prayer, but it's urgent, it's devout. Um, it's almost a kind of prayer that's begging God to meet a, 
a specific need. So you think of it this way. There's a, there's a time in our lives when we want to just do some short text message style prayers in the back of our head, right? I, I'm, I'm doing this all the time, just having conversation with God or just, sending, just, just saying a little prayer throughout my day and, and it might be quiet. But this petition is more the kind where we're getting down on our knees. Maybe we're writing out that prayer and we're just saying, Lord, this is something that is just heavy on my heart. Can you please help me with this? Uh, okay, is there anything else that uh, we need to do when we're presenting our requests? And yeah, thanksgiving, right? This verse tells us, do this with thanksgiving. And prayer is supernatural, right? We're talking to the God that, that created this world. But, but I believe that with thanksgiving, in addition to the supernatural aspects of, of giving thanksgiving, just the, just the act of giving thanks when we, when we pray reminds us that, that God is good, Right? And so there's this, when we give thanks, there's this intersection between supernatural and, and natural and, and things going on in our mind and, and recognizing that, oh yeah, reminding us that God is good. And so to whom should we present our request? To God, of course. And, and why, why should we do this? Because here's what happens. Next verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and friends, this is true. Even this week, I was, there was some, there was, uh, I'm usually not an anxious person, but there was some different things that I was feeling anxious about. And I'm like, while I'm preaching on this, maybe I should try some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. And so I did. I wrote down, we'll talk about, uh, in a minute, we'll talk about the what ifs, right? What if, what if this happens? What if this happens? And, and, and the instruction is just to write some of those things down. And so I did. I wrote some of this stuff down. I'm like, Lord, I'm worried about this, what if? And it was awesome. It was like, one of them I wrote down, and then bam, I got, a, um, I got an email, an unexpected email. And it was just, it just addressed that thing. It was like God was, was saying, uh, hey, listen, I, I just wanted to tell you that I got this, right? And, and, and I think God wants us to be deliberate sometimes about bringing these prayers to him so that when he answers them, we know that, oh yeah, this is, this is God answering this prayer. And so that was a... That was an awesome blessing for me. And, and the other interesting thing that I noticed in that case um, was that the, we're, we're, in this verse we're promised that, that the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For me, that, uh, I, I, um, I received that uh, message and the anxiety, it kind of it lingered for a little while. It wasn't like I received the message, it's like, awesome, God, I, I thank you for doing this. But the anxiety did linger for a little while. And so even if you're dealing with anxiety, you go through some of these things of giving them to God, it might take a little bit of time for that peace to, to fill your heart. God's going to work in his time, but he is going to bless you with his peace. All right, so let's start with the, the future, the what ifs, right? Often we get stuck on, on these kind of questions. What if I lose my job, right? What if, what if my kids get sick? What if I fail? What if, what, whatever it is for each of us. And we, we have these in all of, all, all of us have these in our lives where it's like, God, what about, what if this happens or what about this happens or what about this happens? And some of us, it just starts going around and around and crazy in our minds. And we're like, what about this? What about this? And we can just get overwhelmed with all these what if questions. And this can be debilitating, right? And sometimes it is a control thing. We, we have to be in control of every possible scenario. And so we try and say, well, what if this? I haven't, I haven't controlled this. What if this? What if this? Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 25 um, says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? <clears throat> and there's some, there's some stuff that you can do to increase your odds of, of living an extra hour or, 
or maybe even a few years. But, but worrying is not going to help with that. Ultimately, who decides when you're going to die? God, right? God does, yeah? Okay, good. We got that down. Um, and if he controls when you die, then do you think that he can take care of anything else in your life? Yeah? If you, if you do worry about the future, if this is one that, that you struggle with a lot, then um, memorize a section of that passage in, in Luke chapter 12 because it's good stuff and you'll be blessed. We just looked at one verse here, but, but there's a lot in there that, that you would be blessed by, by memorizing. So what do you do? You take all those what-ifs and you just write them down on a piece of paper, right? And for each one, ask, Lord, can I trust you with this? And, and listen to what he has to say. Um, most of these, most of the what-ifs are things that, that we can't control, but friends, here's the thing. God, God can control these things, and he is good. All right, so that's the, that's the future, but what about the past, right? Working through stuff in our past can be scary, but that's what we've got to do sometimes to address anxiety. Nobody likes working through their past pain, but in the words of, of Pastor Ken Dick, he says, the only way through the pain is through the pain, right? And, and he's saying that if you've got some unresolved hurt in your life, then you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You've got to go through it. This is the way that we have to deal with, with unresolved hurt in our lives. And you might say, well, Pastor, that hurt from my past, it doesn't affect me, so I don't need to dig it up. And if you've dealt with it, if you've dealt with different issues from your past, then you will feel safe thinking about it. Um, you won't avoid it. If you haven't dealt with it, even if you think you have, then it's going to be affecting you today. It's, it's, if it's still there, it's going to be affecting you today. And maybe this is why you're anxious, if you are anxious, because you haven't worked through that trauma or you haven't forgiven that person. Unresolved sins or unresolved hurt can cause us a great deal of of anxiety. Or maybe you're somebody that wrestles with bitterness, right? You're often bitter. And that could be because you've allowed bitterness to take hold. <clears throat> maybe it's no longer directed at the person that hurt you. It's now directed at everyone, right? And this is the way that it goes with, with sin or with concerns or hurts that we don't give to God. It, it starts to get bigger and bigger and, and starts to affect more and more of our lives and more and more of our relationships. <clears throat> Have you got some scripture to back that up, Pastor? Yeah, I do. Uh, James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Um, this passage talks, about, talks a little bit about the connection between illness and, um, and prayer and faith and sin. Um, chapter, uh, yeah, James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This, per this passage here, it's full of gold. And it's another one where you spend some time there and you, I, I guarantee, I promise you will be blessed. Uh, but I want you to see that there's a, a connection, right, between sometimes between our illnesses, maybe our, our anxiety, and working through our junk. Um, so here's, here's another test that we see in, in this James passage. Here's another test for whether we've dealt with our past sin. Have, have we confessed it? Right? Is there some sin from the past that, that you need to confess? Think about that, maybe that sin that you've got from, 
maybe long ago, the one that, that you don't want anybody to know about. The one that, maybe it's one that you will even take to the grave. And you might say, well, I can't, I can't confess that. Nobody would forgive me for that. Maybe not, but do you know who does forgive you? Jesus forgives you, right? And, and if you trust Jesus, and if you know that he's forgiven you, then concerns about whether somebody else is going to still judge you, right? If you confess that, and I, you're like, I'm scared that person's still going to judge me. It's like those concerns are going to fade away if you, if you, as you start to realize that, you know what, Jesus, he, he forgives me. And hopefully, when you confess these things, the person you're confessing to will extend Jesus' forgiveness to you, remind you of Jesus' forgiveness. But if that's not the case, even if that isn't the case, um, you don't need to be scared about what someone else thinks because it's Jesus that has forgiven you. <clears throat> Pastor, you say, well, you don't understand because if this sin that I did, if this got out, it wouldn't be good, right? Maybe, maybe on the extreme, you're like, if somebody found out about this, I'd, I'd go to jail. And the question is, do you trust Jesus, right? Whether it's going to jail or whether it's just being embarrassed, whatever it is, whatever your concern about that getting out, whatever the consequences of that, the question is, do you, do you trust Jesus? Is, is he going to abandon you because your secret's out, right? For the, if, if the, on the extreme, if it is going to jail, is Jesus going to say, hey, you go to jail, I'll deal with you when you're out? No, he's going to jail with you, right? And so if there's consequences associated with our sin, if there's consequences associated with confessing our sins, Jesus is still with us through that. And confessing doesn't mean making it public. Sometimes it might. But, but more often it means we find a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ that, that we trust, and we, we confess to, to him or to her. Um, maybe it means that we confess to the person that, that we, we know would be hurt by knowing this. Maybe it means go see a, a Christian counselor and, and confess to, to him or to her. So, so go through the pain sometimes means dealing with our own sin. Sometimes it means forgiving the sins of others. You might be dealing with some serious anxiety because someone has seriously hurt you. It might even be that this wrong happened a long time ago. Maybe you've tried to suppress it, but you know that it's still there, right? And, 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 and the thing that I want to talk about here is um, the, the, the anxiety that we have because somebody has hurt us. In the past, we've received, we've been hurt, and, and if we don't deal with that, then oftentimes that's going to manifest itself in, in anxiety today. Now, something that, something that, that I've learned, something that I've observed is that, that the sins that we've committed maybe years ago, that, that the cost of that sin, the effect of that sin, is usually much higher than we realize at the time. Maybe you've seen this, where, where you, you did something years ago and it was just a little thing, and now, years later, you're realizing, oh, that sin had a huge impact. Um, and likewise, I know that the sin that sometimes we endure, the, the evil that maybe is done to us, <clears throat> generally, the, the person that is doing that doesn't realize the, the cost of that sin, doesn't realize the hurt of that sin, right? The, 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 what in, in our minds, if, we're, if we are doing something that we don't, that we shouldn't be doing. We, we don't usually recognize how serious that is or what the effect or the cost of that is. And, and your sins, of course, and my sins and, and, and the, the hurts that I've experienced and the hurts that you've experienced, they're, they're, not, they're not the same. None of our, our the, thing, the different things in our, 
and our histories are, are the same. But, but what is similar is the fact that the cost of that sin is usually greater than is realized by the sinner. And so, so when we think about that, when we think about our own sin, or when we think about the evil that's done to us, it's sometimes hard to think that mercy, right? Mercy being um, withholding the punishment that somebody deserves. It's hard to think that mercy is the solution, right? If, that, if, the, if the effect of that is so grave, so significant, then, then how is mercy the solution? How, how, where's there justice in, in not um, that person not receiving the, the, the justice or the punishment that they deserve? So let's talk about that. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is, forgiveness is one of those areas where knowing our theology can, can help bring some healing. And, and I'd even say that as Christians, uh, forgiving is another, this is another area where, where we as Christians have the only solution, right? Where for the rest of the world, it's like there's, there's, there's different ways that um, they're lost. See, see, forgiveness jumps into that tension between justice and mercy. And as Christians, we... We act justly, but we love mercy. That's Micah 6.8. When someone hurts us, justice demands that they pay the price for that and that they make things right. Mercy, in contrast, says, I'm not going to give you the punishment that you deserve. And, and if that's where it ends with mercy, then, or if, that's, if, if, if that is where it ends, then, then either we forgive, right? And that's mercy without justice. Or we make sure that the person that, hurts, that hurt us pays for what they did, right? And that's justice without mercy. And the thing is that fortunately for us as, as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it doesn't end there. We forgive, but then by forgiving, we're trusting God to sort out the justice and the mercy tension. Have you ever um, watched a show where they got the, they've got a, like a movie or a TV show, and they've got a, the bad guy, Whew, I'm having some trouble with my water today. Anyway, you watch a show, and the bad guy on there, the end of the movie comes, and the bad guy just dies, right? And I watch, I, I see uh, movies like that sometimes, and it's like, I, I don't like that. In fact, I hate that. It's like, this is not, this is not mercy or justice. There's nothing here. I'd, I'd rather see, it gets to the end of the movie, and, and this isn't quite as uh, dramatic, but it's what I long for, I guess. I'd rather see, it gets to the end of the movie, the bad guy goes to court and he's judged and right he has to he's it's determined whether he's guilty or not and uh um maybe he has to go to jail or or pay for his crime or whatever right but for him just to die it's like what what is that and of course as christians we know that that death isn't the end Uh, but in the movie the implication is that hey it's the end that's it it's done but it's not done um i think even more though than uh when 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 we see that that person and, and we want them to receive the punishment that they deserve, I think even more than that, we, 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 want, we want that person that committed that crime or, or hurt us or did that thing, we want, we want them to be sorry. And, and once in a while, there'll be a, a court case maybe that we're watching on the news. Um, and during the sentencing, the accused might have the opportunity to address the court, right? This is, this is usually what happens is they've, they've determined the guilt and then the person that uh, the accused has an opportunity to address the court, maybe address the, the family or the um, victim, the community, and, and say some words, and then the judge um, delivers the, the, uh, um, the consequences, the, whether this person has to go to jail for how long, these kind of things. And, 
Sometimes the accused won't say anything, right? He'll, he or she will stand up, just, or not even stand up, just say, no, I don't, I don't want to say anything. Sometimes, sometimes that person will make excuses or try and justify, hey, you know what, like I had a, uh, these circumstances in my life and so this is justified. Or, well, th this person hurt me, so it was okay for me to hurt that person or to hurt them. And, and in those cases, usually our response is, you know what, you, you, don't, you don't get it. You don't, you don't understand what you did, right? Because we can see that there's no, that's, that, that, um, that being sorry is not there. Other times the accused will say that he or she is sorry, right? It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and sometimes in these cases, the response will be like, well, our response might be, hey, you know what, sorry is not enough. It, it doesn't undo what you did. But, but it seems to me that more often than, than that, we just don't believe it, right? If you were really sorry, then you'd do whatever to make it right. Or if you were really sorry, you'd, you'd do this. Or, or you can't really be sorry because you don't know what you did. But in those times, and this is more rare, in those times when we can see that that person really is sorry, that they grieve the horrible thing that they did, <clears throat> that they really regret their actions, in those times, I think we sometimes start to have compassion on that person. It's like if we know that someone that's hurt us is truly sorry, we often want to extend mercy. If that person is, is not sorry, well then, they don't even want our mercy, right? <clears throat> it's similar to our, our sin against God, except that he actually can balance the scales of justice. He's, he's capable of delivering the judgment that we deserve, and he does know our hearts. He is capable of seeing whether we really are sorry, right? And that, that mercy and justice, that, those two, they, they meet at the cross. On 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so the cost of our the cost of our sins, it's paid by Jesus. Justice is brought through him. And in this way, we receive mercy. So let me, let me, uh, let me, let me spell this out again in case you missed it, because this is important, friends. When you're hurt by somebody, that rouses God's wrath. Um, he's angry that you were hurt, right? We don't serve a God that's just like, hey, you know what, suck it up, forgive. He's like, that, that makes him angry. He's hurt that you were hurt. It's not okay that that happened. And when you forgive, you're trusting God to balance the scales of justice and mercy. You're, you're letting go of the need to control how justice is going to be achieved. And so God's wrath is directed at that person that hurt you, but in his mercy, he sent his son Jesus to take the place of the person that hurt you. And so that's what happens on the cross, right? We call it penal substitutionary atonement. Jesus is substituted for the person that sinned instead of the sinner taking on the penalty of his sin Jesus takes it on and you say okay well that's not right the person that hurt me got off scot-free and it's true he or she does but see God knows that person's heart and and being a Christian when we when we become Christians we're we're acknowledging that we've done some really bad stuff and so that kind of mercy is 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 only received by a repentant heart. Or let me put it this way, the person that, that continues into eternity gloating over the sin that he caused, that person will receive the punishment that he's due. But the person that enters into eternity grieved over their sin, maybe they don't understand the full extent of it, maybe they don't recognize all the individual sins, but their heart is grieved that yes, I'm a sinner and I'm trusting in Jesus. That person 
that trust Jesus, that, person, that, that sin will be cast onto Jesus. And this is how the mercy and justice is balanced, or is how we can have both these things that are, are different, how we can have both these things at the same time. Um, <clears throat> research shows that, that anger intensifies anxiety, right? And that, that ongoing anger is not a good thing. And so we forgive. And, and we understand that the, that the cross can help us forgive, right? We know, it, it, I mean, it's, I hope we know that, that holding on to that hurt, um, holding on to that anger, it does. It makes us anxious and it doesn't help us. And so hopefully when we, as we, as we understand the cross, as we understand God, we can realize that, yeah, as we truly understand that, we're able to release that to God. We're able to trust him. We're giving it to him and we're trusting him to ensure that justice and mercy um, are both accomplished. So here's some scripture. Um, you, can, you can jot these down if you like. Romans 12, verse 19. We trust God to bring justice. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Um, John chapter 3, verse 36, tells us to trust in Jesus' mercy. Uh, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Oh, and some of these verses, it's like, they, they, they're heavy verses. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. You wait for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So friends, I ask you, is it time to let it go, to trust God to deliver justice? To trust that Jesus voluntarily went to the cross and he can take on that wrath for whomever he chooses. <clears throat> and let me add this. We, talk, we talked here a little bit about the, the extreme case, right, where it's just this grievous hurt that was done against us, right? It's causing us anxiety and maybe we need to work through it. Um, but I think more often in our lives, it's, it's the, little, the little hurts that we allow to get a, a foothold. The guy that, that cut you off in traffic, right? Or, or the person that was, that was mean to you at work or at school. Or the Christian that forgot about you. And if you've got a little bit of underlying anxiety, it could be that, that you're holding on to some of these littler things. And these littler things, they start to affect every area of our lives. On the Lord's Prayer, Luke chapter 11, verse 4. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Right? And this is, our, this is the practice that we want to get into so that these, these little things don't lead us, to, lead us away from, from the people that God is calling us to be. <clears throat> okay, so another, another thing from our past that sometimes um, can lead to anxiety is uh, shame or sometimes it manifests itself in, in insecurity. <clears throat> maybe something happened to you in the past, maybe you did something that you're ashamed of, and yeah, when you think about that, it's just, there's, it, sometimes this happens to me where there'll be something in the past where it's like, whatever it is, and that'll come to mind, and I'll feel shame, and it's like, no, I know that that's Satan trying to, trying to, trying to make me feel that shame. It's like, no, I'm, I'm I've dealt with that. I've worked through that. I've repented of that or I've forgiven, whatever it is. But Satan's going to try and keep bringing it up. And sometimes 
Sometimes it's shame. That stuff that, that we don't want to tell anybody about. But, but it's not even telling people about it, it's that you're just ashamed of it, even if nobody knows about it. Even when you think about it sometimes, you, you just cringe. And you know what? God knows about that, and he still loves you. It's not a thing of measuring up. Know this, as a Christian, you're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. If you do have some, some deep shame, talk to another Christian about it. Often we need to hear the Holy Spirit remind us of our worth through another believer. Also, memorize verses that remind you of God's love for you. If you need um, help identifying some of those verses, talk to me. I can, I can help you find some. <clears throat> I'd love to, to point you to the scripture that declares God's love for you. That he, he knows everything about you. He knows your history. He knows where you're going. And he still loves you. He's not ashamed of you. And you don't need to have that shame. So what else causes anxiety? Um, well, these things we talked about here, it's, it's, a lot of it's about not letting go of the past, right? We talked about specific examples. But generally, sometimes we're still fretting over the past. Sometimes when we talk about the past, uh, Philippians chapter 11, or sorry, Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 13 to 14 come to mind. And Paul, in this verse, is talking about fully knowing Christ. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken, a hold, taken hold of it, excuse me, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's a worthy goal. And sometimes forgetting what lies behind is an issue of self-control, right? If you've dealt with the past, then it might require self-control to keep it from taking hold again. Satan doesn't want you to be free from that sin, that shame, or, or the hurts of the past. It is a spiritual battle. And, and he'll use the past to get into our heads, right? And what's our, what's our response in those cases? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here Paul's teaching about the, the boldness that he sometimes has to use when confronting false teachers. And he reminds us, again, that this is a spiritual battle. And friends, the same is, the same is true for us. If you've dealt with that issue, right, if you haven't dealt with it, then work through it. Like I said, we're as, as believers, we're the only people that have a way to work through this. God's provided a way. But if you have dealt with that issue, give it to Jesus. If you have dealt with it, and you have given it to Jesus, if you've forgiven, if you've received healing, then you don't need to keep going there. But that doesn't mean that Satan isn't going to keep trying and bringing you there. The armor of God is another one that's helpful here. Have you ever heard that uh, rule about going through the mail, deal with it once, right? I try and live by this, but it never works very well. Anyway, you get the mail, whether it's the email or the mail from the post office, and, and you, uh, you just you open it once and deal with it right away, right? Because otherwise, this is more often what happens with me if it's the traditional mail. I was born in the 1900s, so I'm, that's what I'm used to. Anyway, you, you, you get the mail, you open it up, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, I've got to do something with that. All right, you put it back in the envelope and put it somewhere, and then you get the next one. Oh, yeah, and, and, and it's like, and then we come back later, and it's like, oh, I've got to deal with that. Take it out. It's just, it's such a waste of time. And it's the same with, with the email. This is what I do with the email all the time. I'll see an email, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I, I should read that. Read it. And then I'm like, oh, I've got to do something about that. 
Mark has unread. And then it's like the inbox just gets fuller and fuller and fuller. I got all these unread messages. And so the discipline that I try and have is like, hey, I open the mail once and I deal with it right then. And so I don't open it until I'm ready to deal with it. Um, <clears throat> and so the same thing is true in our lives. Don't, don't keep coming back to the mail that you've already dealt with. In your life, don't keep opening that old piece of mail that Jesus took away from you. If there's some more work you got to do, do it, right? The Holy Spirit's going to be a part of that. He's going he's to call you to that work. He's going to empower you in that work. He's going to give you the ability to do that work, and he's going to do the work for you. But if you've, if you've dealt with that mail, then, then let it go. <clears throat> Deal with it once. And so when it, comes to our, when it does come to our past, this does require discernment, right? Figuring out, well, what is, what, what, what is this voice? Um, in general, three voices can battle in our, in our hearts. Our own voice, Satan's voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Our own voice might bring up some stuff that, that we're still working through. Satan might try to convince you that you shouldn't trust God. The Holy Spirit, he might bring some stuff to mind that you still need to work through so that you can better trust God, but, but more often than that, he's going to remind you that, that you're precious, that you're, you're forgiven, that God loves you. If that thought is telling you it's hopeless, then take that thought captive and throw it out in Jesus' name. If that thought is something that you've dealt with, take it captive, throw it out in Jesus' name. If that thought is something that you've got to work through still, make plans to deal with it. If it's going to require working through it with a friend or spending a lot of time in prayer, or making an appointment with a professional, right, a counselor, a medical doctor, a psychologist, do it. Just last week, Julie and I had an appointment with, the, um, with, a, with a counselor. There's no shame in that. That's good. That's healthy. Um, if that thought is, is, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're loved, you're forgiven, then don't throw that out in Jesus' name, right? Accept that. Accept God's love. And this is something we do sometimes do where the Holy Spirit is telling us, you are loved. And we try and take that and throw it out. It's like, oh, I'm being humble. No, God loves you. There's nothing, there's nothing proud about that. That's true and it's good. <clears throat> so forgetting what is behind might be a thing of self-control. Self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Before getting to the self-control stage, though, you've got to work through it. Don't, don't misrepresent the Holy Spirit's words. Um, instead, recognize that you have to work through it, through the past so that you can forget it, right? That verse says, hey, I forget the past, but that doesn't mean that I don't have to deal with it. Deal with it so I can forget it. <clears throat> All right, so there's a lot of uh, weird stuff that the world these days would advocate related to anxiety. Um, be cautious of, of self-help or, or different worldly meditation practices. And also, if you, if you come across something that's talking about um, spiritual wholeness or anything spiritual, and it's not pointing to Jesus, then run the other way. But, but one thing that the world, there, there, there is some things that the world has figured out, right? That's like, well, yeah, of course, that, that we, we knew all along. And one of those things is, is that, that we want to be living in the present, right? Um, the world has recognized that this is a good thing. Sometimes it's called mindfulness, and, and that's got some other stuff attached to it that we want to be cautious of. But, but this idea of living in the now, living in the present is, is good, and it's what we want to do as, as believers as well. <clears throat> the difficulty for the world, of course, is that in order to live in the moment, in order to live in the present, 
You have to have dealt with the past, and you have to have dealt with the future. And I'd say that given that in our time there are so many people that are wrestling with anxiety, that are struggling with that, that it is a big problem for, for young people, especially these days, <clears throat> I'd say that this is, a, this is a place where we can provide real hope to the world, right? Because that, that no matter how much you try and live in, the, live in the moment, live in the present, if you haven't dealt with the past, and the only way that you can is through Jesus Christ, then you're not going to be able to live in the moment. If you haven't dealt with the future, and the only way you can deal with the future is by trusting God, then you're not going to be able to live in the moment. And so this desire that the world has, that we have, to live in the moment is, is something where we can be proclaiming Jesus. <clears throat> so, so we've talked about how to address the past. We've talked about trusting God with the future. Now what? Live today. Enjoy this beautiful world that God created. Give thanks for the relationships that he's blessed you with. Step in with Jesus' healing to the problems and the brokenness that he's calling you to be a part of today. Tell your friends that are, that are so anxious. Maybe tell them about the peace that you have if you've received that peace. And, and know that when we talk about that peace, it's, it's a peace that transcends understanding. So you can't describe it by words. You can't say, this is, this is what it's like because it transcends understanding. But you can tell them, about Jesus, and you can tell them that <clears throat> even though you haven't fully arrived, that you've got little glimpses of this peace that transcends understanding. All right, let's, let's finish up. We started off with the instruction to not be anxious. This was, a, these, this was, this was an imperative, right? Don't be anxious was the one imperative. Um, present your request to God was the other imperative. Like, these are, these are instructions that were given. <clears throat> and Often, we're to obey, often we are to obey instructions by working through and demolishing the lies that Satan would have us believe. And so friends, listen to me. If you have some hurts that the Holy Spirit is calling you to work through, you're being disobedient if you won't work through that. <clears throat> I believe this is God's will for us today. We don't need to be anxious. But maybe when I, when I read this verse and I tell you, hey, this is, a, this is an instruction, um, you get a little bit of you get a little bit anxious about that, right? It's like, oh no, another thing that I have to be anxious about. Well, that's not that's not Jesus' heart at all. We've talked about working through past hurts, forgiving, and working through our what ifs, and and these might help you to trust Him, but this isn't a thing of Jesus trying to load more burdens on you. Jesus loves you. If you wrestle with anxiety, if memorizing some of the scripture, for example, might help, then do it. If that's too much, then and don't. Just know this, that Jesus loves you. Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Friends, that's one to memorize. That, that verse is awesome. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up, in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, I pray that your people would know that you care for them. Lord, that, that we would receive that peace that transcends understanding. And Lord, I pray for any that don't know you. I pray, Lord, that maybe today you would even put a, put, put a hunger on their heart for that peace that transcends understanding. 
and that today that they would realize that that peace is not going to come from anywhere else but you, and that they would turn to you and, and trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.